0: We waited four months for that. Well, I suppose, you know, perfect returns weren't always going to be the case. Anyway, we've got a lot to cover on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review, starting right now. shoots all of Dretton,
1: wins the premiership for Brisbane Roar. Too late. It's Brisbane's day, it's Brisbane's season, it's Brisbane's time. Now down as the weeks trickle in today, so
0: you come in and put your back. Yes, we're back for our regular weekly edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott, Adam, and maybe Trixie, depending on if she decides to uh, pop up at any point during this evening's recording session. Adam, how are you? Yeah,
2: good, James. How are you? How are you, Scott? I'm good. We'll try and make sure Trixie's happy and we won't make any mistakes today. How about that? That's okay. Based on some of the feedback we got, she was the most
0: valuable contributor last week.
2: (laughs) It's always been the way, hasn't it?
0: Yes, exactly. Everyone always seems to prefer the guest stars than the regular... uh, Participants, I they, think. They, bar- they bark, they swear, they.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Angela, if you're listening. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, yes, this is the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here uh, for ourselves, I guess, at the moment. We are yeah, happy to be back discussing Brisbane Raw back in the A League as well after a four and a bit month absence. Obviously, the result didn't quite go to plan, as so Raw went down 1 0 to Adelaide United. Before we get into our match recap, Quick plugs as always Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com. Send in any comments, questions, uh, requests for guest stars, or anything else like that. We may or may not listen. And uh, Facebook The Raw Review, Twitter at BNE Football. Both of those accounts where you can find live coverage of Brisbane's A League matches and also local NPL, NPL Women's, and FQPL. Oh, select matches from uh, those three local competitions which are back this weekend which is another thing to look forward to isn't it Scott
2: and it absolutely's been waiting four months of football so it's great to have it back once again
0: yeah not not to steal the line from uh, NBC's Sunday Night football
2: broadcast of the NFL but we've been waiting
0: all day for July 25th well,
2: it was great to be there on Sunday night I know you guys unfortunately weren't there but it was amazing just to walk through the, the stadium for the first time in four months and see the see the floodlights lit up on the field it was a bit of normalcy in a year where we've had next to no normalcy really so it was it was great to be there
0: and can you just confirm the guy with the rubber glove was surprisingly gentle
2: there was no rubber glove actually
0: what? no <laughs> <Did> <laughs> I, th- I have think a glove? I, I, don't you, I don't know what you I don't know what you think plan. happened
2: but obviously you've got a different COVID safe plan than what the rest of us had James yeah I, I do. do obviously your employer does 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 um temperature checks a bit differently than the rest of us <laughs> well, that's getting oh, wait, responsibly that was Anyway,
0: that was a vet. Anyway, <laughs> yes, back on track. I would have. I actually did have a ticket to go down on Sunday night, but all things considered, I'm actually kind of glad that I didn't make it down, if for no other reason than my hay fever's been acting up, so I didn't want to deal with the sideways glances every time I had to sniffle.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That would have gone well.
0: Better safe than sorry at the moment is uh, my approach for that, and I, yeah, Se- seems like I didn't miss too much there.
1: Yeah, no, I'm... Um, my excuse... No, i just be like, oh... It, <laughs> a Sunday night game. You didn't want to go coast. You didn't want to go. Away.
0: Yeah, you didn't want to go on your cross country trip to get down to Rabina.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a, a long drive, and you uh, nearly
0: stacked.
2: watched it on, on Fox Sports.
0: Yes, you were able to find one it of the eventually. one of
2: the handful of viewers on Fox Sports apparently. Uh, yeah.
0: Yes, more on that later. Let's get into the match itself. Um, it was a six minute goal from Christian Ops- Opseth? Opseth. 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 Opseth.
2: Okay. One of those.
0: Yeah, I know. Hey, I'm a bit rusty with player names as well, which is not good for my commentary gigs coming up this weekend. But anyway, six-minute goal. It kind of came out of nowhere, didn't
2: it? It did, but also the Royal kind of started pretty sluggishly. It had a few turnovers. Adelaide seemed to be a bit sharper from the get-go. So it, that, it didn't... It kind of came out of the blue, but also you could half see it coming, given the fact the raw did start quite slowly, not for the first time this year. But it was a really good cross from Ryan Strain to set that up and a pretty good finish from close range from upset. But... Yeah.
0: Well, for me, I think the best way to sum up the first 20 or so minutes as a whole, it looked like two teams that were coming off four months since their last competitive outing, and Adelaide just had that one perfect cross that made the difference.
1: Yeah, look, and we spoke, you and I, James, on the um, post-game show, and and the buzzword was opportunity, and... It, it just it came down to where Adelaide United they had one opportunity, it was a great cross from Ryan Strain that, that met the head of Christian Opseth and it scored and that ended up being the game winner. Whereas the Raw, I guess, you know, scored a number of opportunities. Also as well, I will preface that saying that some you know, absolutely phenomenal goalkeeping by Paul Izzo. Um and that and that's sort of the theme of the night really.
0: Yeah, I'd l- I'd love to see what Paul Izzo's home workouts were over the last four months. Because I'm assuming he basically just had one of those um, tennis ball shooter thingies and was just trying to save those. Because he was was going right from the outset.
2: Well, he was in top form, wasn't he, after four months away. So he's... Well, he's been a pretty good goalkeeper for a long time. He just seems to have the odd mistake thrown in. And unfortunately for the Raw on Sunday night, there was no mistake in there. He was absolutely brilliant for Adelaide United. And was a big reason why they managed to get the three points. I'd actually
1: say that, you know, it's a remarkable effort considering that he was in hospital a month ago. So, after a car crash. So... Um, that plus his uh, is charity sort of work, and I think it all sort of, you know, blending in one. But yeah, look, um, we, we have seen Paul Izzo, you know, put up those sort of performances, so it's no shock, but unfortunately it just seems to uh, happen against the Raw sometimes.
0: Just normally if a goalkeeper is putting in that sort of performance, it tends to be Jamie Young.
2: Well, he wasn't half bad either, Jamie Young, either. No,
0: I don't think there was anything egregiously wrong from, like, Jamie Young's performance there. It's not like he could have, you know, stopped the header nah. by any reasonable expectation either, but... I think overall, what you saw from this Raw performance was it looked like a side that, yeah, as I said before, was just coming back after four months out, still finding their rhythm a little bit, and let's not forget, it was the first outing under a new coach who probably only had a couple of opportunities to really make the necessary tweaks uh, to what was the playing system.
2: Yeah, well, they've only had, what, three, four weeks back in training, and I'm not sure how long... I assume Warren Moon was coaching or involved in the training sessions for that build-up time, but um, it was Darren Davies who was presumed to be the coach until about this time last week so we would would assume Warren was there and look he didn't change too much but this side's built to play in that particular way James Robbie Fowler when he was here built this side to play three at the back and defensively solid first with players pushing forward when they can and it's a bit difficult to change it on the fly when you've got four games plus finals it's probably a matter of you just have to try and stick with this style for now and hopefully we'll see Warren Moon bring in his style of football in the off-season when he can get some of his own players in that that suit, that style more. So I think you have to play this way for now.
0: Well, that's it. And also, you consider, yeah, you've got to p- play the uh, players that you've got on hand and this is the squad that they've got. And also as well, you know, my question would be up until, what was it, June 29th or 30th or whenever it was that Robbie Fowler officially left the Raw, were Moon and Davies actually saying, all right, we've got to coach to Robbie Fowler's plan? And then only... Since then, have they been able to put their own stamp on it?
1: Yeah, look, I, I don't expect too much change for the rest of the season. Though, as as sort of we've talked about, you know, with. With the uh, Warren Moon sort of appointment, and whatnot, I I don't think I don't think there'd be any appetite to do that. I think you know changing style, it, it it does take time. It does take you know months of pre-season training. It does take you know a while to get that in in the game structure. So look, I like so this give as you said, there's going to be little tweaks here and there. You have know, either necessity or by choice, but I really wouldn't think there'd be too much change of, the, of what we
0: know Brisbane Roar in you know season 1920 in the Hyundai League. Two of those changes came in the form of two debutants for the Raw. Matt Rydenton came in from the start wearing jersey number 12, vacated by Aidan O'Neill. And Danny Kim replaced Matt Rydenton wearing Jacob Pepper's <laughs> old jersey number 8, players number 167 and 168 on Scott's Brisbane Raw A League appearance log. Yes. Yes. Something okay.
2: like that. We can call it that if you like. I can change the name of it to that.
0: Uh, call it whatever you want. Okay.
2: For... <laughs> now, they did quite well, didn't they? I mean, Matt Rydenton was solid in his hour on the field. It wasn't as spectacular as what people might have hoped but he did his job quite well which was I think win the ball back and recycle it. If you're expecting 40 yard cross field passes to set up chances, that's probably not what you're expecting out of Matt Denton So what he was asked to do he did quite well but when Danny Kim came on I thought he made a massive difference and you can see how good a player he is. Just in the way he moves on the field, it's probably easier to see in the stadium than on television but the subtleties in his movement to his sense of positioning and awareness is really good, and it just cuts out opposition counterattacks before they happen. I thought he was really good in the half an hour he was on the field.
0: Oh yeah, I I won't go that far. I think they look like two guys that are still definitely finding their feet in a new environment. I think there are still plenty of uh, areas for both to improve on. I think... I'm not saying Ry was bad by any stretch, but... It does seem like Danny Kim, you know, probably being a little bit younger. I'm fairly certain as well. He just looked like he had a lot more energy when he came on, and that probably could have also been because he came on as a sub with tiring bodies around him, and obviously being quite desperate to make an impression.
1: Look, I think it's probably both. That um, I think you look, you look at two different sort of styles of player that play in the same position. I think uh, Matt Rodenton was very serviceable. He, you know, he he was that sort of that that screener in front of um of of the defence, and also as well, he would he would sort of put that ball in, you know, that would start, start the movements. Whereas, I think Danny Kim has just that, that touch more creativity. Like I said, he has that ability to, to put, you know, the, the longer crosses in. And there was, was one beautiful cross he did near the end of the game, which I kind I went to, I think they squandered, I
2: just can't recall. I'm not sure, but yeah. I don't, when he yeah. came on, he's getting forward 30 seconds after coming on, getting forward in the oh, box, yeah. putting it across. I'm like, what's this all about? You haven't seen that at Lions, but <laughs> he was really good when he came on. It's a good, it's a good advertisement that players can step up, and he did a quite, a, quite a good job in his first appearance.
0: Definitely, and we should mention as well that it is just a loan signing uh, from Lions for the rest of the season. However, I think considering he's got his biggest advocate, uh, Warren Moon, in the job with the raw, I wouldn't be surprised if come November or whenever Lions season does end. Uh, Danny Kim happens to uh, just make a little move down the M1 to the Logan football facility or whatever it's called. I
2: wouldn't be surprised if when the A-League season's finished they just make that loan move permanent. He doesn't actually go back to Lions. Cool.
0: Yeah, that's a big call. Um, and if you're listening to that at Richmond, <laughs> that was Scott. That <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just thinking more for this pro for for the other show. Um, yeah, I'm thinking it's, it's a fair fair weapon to have come back in the wings if it does happen. So, so yeah. But look, um, sort of, I would say that you know, just just based on the thirty minutes, I think that you know, Danny Kim Kim improved yeah, everything that now that the hype was around that. Yeah, you know, he's probably one of the finest uh, talents in MPL Queensland, and that you know, yeah, it's obviously hopefully again it serves notice to those you know in that in sort of in the lower league, that, that, you, know, that you can, if with hard work and, you know, and a bit of luck and opportunity, that you, know, you can you can actually be a professional, even if it is online.
0: And on that point as well, obviously, you know, we don't want to get into too much uh, league-wide you know, analysis for the next three or four years, but presumably there are going to be significant reductions to playing squad budgets and whatnot over the next few years. So I wouldn't be all that surprised if there are more opportunities afforded to NPL players.
2: We've already seen that in the last week. About four or five players across the league have been signed up from the MPL, which is absolutely fantastic, and long may it continue.
0: Okay, two more points I want to get through on this match. Uh, first up, strikers combination Scott McDonald and Dylan Wenzel Horst. That was who Warren Moon went with. I'm not all that surprised. Uh, I'm, I'm not all that surprised, all things considered, because obviously you've got Wenzel Horst, who is a lot more. Uh, what's the right word? I don't want to say energetic than Muradovich, because they both have something going for it, but he he does seem to run around a lot more, and I think that's the sort of style that Warren Moon does prefer, whereas Muradovich obviously does better with the link-up play.
2: It's probably more energy in his movement around the field. Yeah. Whereas Muradovich is more technical and subtle in what he does. There's two different types of players. McDonald and Muradovich are almost the same player when you think about it. They both like to be creative and getting in the box to finish it off, so... You don't really want two players exactly the same up there necessarily if you can avoid it. And we've talked about it before. The Raw have got a whole range of different options, as Trixie lets us know if we need to wrap this up. But they've got Aaron Amati Holloway, who came on late as a target man. They've got Wenzel Halls, who's quick and make runs in behind. And McDonald and Muradovic. It's a good mix.
0: I think that Thunder and Lightning combination of uh, Aaron Amati Holloway and Dylan Wenzel Halls off the bench, I think that's the best way forward for the Raw, though. Because you, you can then go three up top with... McDonald or Muradovich but look I, I'm firmly in the Muradovich over Wenzel Hall's camp although that being said I'm not so firmly in it that I think that it's a case of one good one bad I think it's a case of you've got to find the best way to use both of those players I think
1: it's more of a horses for courses sort of thing I think I think that, you know, that they're both serviceable and they're both deserving of the spot but I, yeah, I just don't know if the combinations and look, like we've got to throw in Brad Inman as well in that in that sort of front three. That you know, that's where the I guess the balance you know is so important that rather than just the two up front. Um, and also, I guess you know Jay O'Shea even behind them. So I think that's something that you know, I guess Warren Moon has to sort of decide what what he sort of wants to you know, And I, I said it doesn't have to be a permanent one. It just can be you know depending on the opponent because I think but I think you know both are integral parts of this match they squad. So I wouldn't be sort of saying one over the other. I just think. It's just depending on the situation.
2: It is an interesting one, because I do think Joe Shea, he's too deep for me quite often. often. A lot of the creative things he does are too deep. You want him for about 10, 15 yards, but almost in that Brad Inman type of role. You really want him to be creative in the front third, and at the moment, it seems like it's a little bit too deep for me in that kind of area. I'd like to see him further forward to be able to to make the chances that he's creating actual real bona fide chances instead of just a cross out to Jack Ingot or something like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's actually the other big tactical change we saw, which I want to move on to now, the thoughts on Moon's first game in charge. We saw them pushing forward a lot more in attack than I think we ever saw in the 27, 28-odd games under Robbie Fowler. It seemed like you know Jack Kingett and Corey Brown were getting a lot further forward, providing a lot more width. They had a lot more license to attack, and it seems like they were trying to build up with a little bit more speed than what we were used to seeing the Raw do, and I think that may be the one little change that we're going to see under Warren Moon, where they go further forward a little bit more, and yeah, try and maybe not go for broke, but take a few more risks. It's actually funny that watching
1: it a couple of times, especially in the uh, second half of the yeah second half, that uh, where basically Jack Hinger was actually level um, with Scott McDonald a couple of times. It was almost like. Sc- Scott McDonald sort of faint as to say what are you doing there next to me basically that's how that's how high that um, on at least on that right hand side that Jack Hingott's getting is that he was actually becoming you know basically another winger and a couple of times I think Scott McDonald was almost as shocked at oh you're there you want me to pass it to you almost because i think that shows i think that's going to be something i think we're going to see a feature of going, going forward is that basically that you know jack Hinga and um corey brown are really sort of going to push high and become sort of almost like in, back in the old days you know you know where you know in the i hate saying this word the raw Salona days where you know that basically you have the, the overlapping go you know, right back
0: into the wingers you you stole that right out of my mouth <laughs> there, Adam. I was going to yeah. Say, yeah I wasn't going to say
2: Rossolone, but I just did there. Isn't there like a fine every time you say that on this show? Not,
0: uh, there will be as of now. Okay. But um yeah you oh, you see you know Udo getting forward and overlapping and putting in crosses for Salozeno, Barbarusis, Barisha etc. Yeah. And you know Ivan French on that right yeah. flank. French, I think was you know for a few years there the best right back in the league at that.
2: He absolutely was. Yeah. The one thing I did want to see, when the Raw, in the second half, were chasing the game, I would have liked to see, particularly when Gillespie came off, they had to make a sub there. I would have liked to see him go to a back four at that point. It seemed like they had too many defenders at the back really not doing a great deal, covering too much. I know they had brought on the Toure brothers and they're both really quick and all the rest of it, but three players back there seemed a bit of an overkill to me when you're chasing the game. I would have liked to see him bring another player in the front third and really go for it at that point. I
1: think it might also as well, I think the Great Unknown about, you know, five subs now... In the league, and you you don't want to overcommit because obviously you have the ability to bring on a lot more attacking weapons. You know, I think you know. Whereas if it was pre sort of you know pandemic days, where it was only three subs, you could say well it, you you weren't going to get unless they, unless Adelaide were really chasing the game, you weren't going to get both, both two Ray brothers yeah. on. Uh, look, one of them probably wouldn't even actually make this, this, the um, the bench, the, te- yeah. the team sheet. So with this, I think this is the greater unknown of okay, it, you don't want to overcommit, try and chase the game because they they may counterattack and bring you know, you know some quick men on which can just catch you you know with your pants down basically. So I think this is a, I think it's also going to be a period this to sort of next you know month to football. We're going to sort of see. You know, a lot of different things that we haven't seen before come to fruition. I think the I think the five substitutes um, to come on, I think it's going to change the game as we know it.
0: That's it. And I'm not quite ready to, you know, go all doom and gloom and say, oh, the season's gone, they lost one game, you know, don't bother trying or whatnot. Because, let's be honest, every team is going to be in that position. And I feel like the standard is only going to improve as teams get match fit, get more comfortable. You know, playing again and also get used to the hub conditions down in Sydney.
2: Absolutely, and you're only going to look at some of the other results over the course of the weekend and say that the Premier's plate may be not mathematically done, but basically done, but the top six final series, whoever gets into that, all six of those sides are going to have a re- reasonable chance of actually doing something in the final series, based on what we've seen so far, and you're right, there's going to be a lot of neutral games. I mean, there's, yes, the Sydney teams might have an advantage being at home, but if you're not playing a Sydney team, it's a 50-50 neutral game, and I think it's going to be to your point, James. Who deals with the hub situation the best will come out on top in this.
0: And uh, on that as well, you kind of feel like maybe the best, best equipped team to deal with the hub situation might actually have nothing to do with footballing ability, because you could say you know a lot of these sides that will be competing for the uh, championship in a couple of weeks or whatever. The teams are going to be competing for that. They're all going to be probably about the same in terms of level of skill and you know level of execution at the moment it might come down to the teams that actually just have the best chemistry. Yeah, look, that's that's where you
1: look at someone like a Wellington, you know, who who do... who Like Wellington and Perth are probably the two teams that sort of stand out, say, because they're the ones that travel the most, and they're the ones that, you know, obviously will spend a lot more time together. So um, you, you'd almost say, if, you, if you're not looking at it from a football form sense, they may be the teams that may benefit from, you know, what they, I guess what they call hub life. Um, look, we don't... But, then again, we don't know what the effect is going to be on the Victorian teams, who are, are all still quarantined away at the moment, and we will not see them for another, you know, four or five days at least before before they come out. So, look, there's so much, um, I guess, form or lack thereof to be able to base opinion. I, I think, you know, one nil loss, at, at the end of the day, other than sacrificing three points, I, I think you know, I think just
0: move on to the next game, see what happens. Okay, two things. First of all, in Wellington's hub, do you think they've removed all the golf carts? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Secondly, I think the only thing this has cost the Raw is
2: probably uh, a chance at second spot. Otherwise, game on. Let's see how it goes. I'd really like to send you to Wellington right now after that. That plus everything else you said about the great the great fans we have in New Zealand.
0: I'm planning on going there next year. Well, not Wellington, but the South
2: Island. We'll be alerting them to your whereabouts at all times Go for it. What's the worst that can well, happen?
1: The way it's going, it's probably the only place we can go cruising
2: next year, so <laughs> I'll,
1: uh, I'll, w-
0: I'll wait from, from the deck of the Queen Elizabeth. You, you, go, you go cruising, I'll go skiing. There are like you fun. seat 3A, get him! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're going to take a break and come back and talk a little bit more on the Brisbane Football Review right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Alright, segment two on the Brisbane Football Review here this Wednesday evening with James Scott and Adam, and we're going to move on and to... And uh... Trixie,
2: don't forget Trixie's here as well, the producer-in-chief is here. Yes, that's it, and she's eyeing off the microphone like she
0: wants to take it off me and <laughs> take over hosting gigs. <laughs> yeah. Good
2: at it. Yeah,
0: well, she knows how to draw attention. Anyway, yeah, segment two, so we're going to go through some of the news stories that have popped up in the... Nine days since we did a proper podcast? More or less. Yeah. yeah, we did the we did the emergency... Well, you two did the emergency one with Joel on Thursday, Friday evening? One uh, of Thursday, those. Thursday, I think it was evening. Thursday, yeah. yeah. One of those. And good job on that. That was actually a very good listen. And Adam and I did the post-game show on Sunday, so... That was also a very good listen. I can
2: vouch for that. Really? Anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so... Um, other A-League games going on at the moment. Sydney 3, Wellington 1 on Friday night. Perth 1, Central Coast 0... Um, and then last night, Newcastle put the uh, Premier's Plate party on hold with a two-one
2: win over Sydney FC. What a tremendous shame that was! It was look, Newcastle did really well in that game, and they kind of showed you that they're heading in the right direction. When they, I don't know if they can make the top six or not. It's probably a long shot, but they're heading in the right direction, which is a positive sign for them. And look, Sydney will get their premiership eventually, but what a shame it wasn't last night.
0: Yeah, and also on that as well, Newcastle. Yes, they can make the uh, top whatever it is but top six yes I, I'm having one of those days just just bear with it's me it's a top
2: 11 final series James everyone's <laughs> in it okay so it's basically like what the NBA is doing
0: <laughs> you're not wrong actually anyway yes um, and also like yeah Newcastle were good value for it and Sydney kind of looked like the side that knew all we need is a point for the Premier's plate
2: and looked like they were already kind of turning their attention to the finals anyway when you play for a point you quite often get burnt of that's course. what happened to them last night yeah. and we're all terribly disappointed that they got burnt aren't we of course.
0: Anyway, I feel sorry for whoever has to play them next. But if all of these scores may be news to you, it might not be too much of a surprise because not a lot of people have watched the A League restart so far.
1: Yeah, look, it's um, lack of promotion, lack of fanfare, middle of uh, the other codes um, at the moment. It's a, it's a weird time. And look, but then, but then again, look. Well, are we surprised? That, you know, not many people watching. Although I think the only, um, I guess. Go positive was that the ABC um, rating was up, it was up uh, compared compared to um, the last game. But other than that, the Fox Sports um, ratings, I think, yeah, uh, sort of are not great. And I think having having it on five o seven as well, I don't think also helps matters very much.
0: Also on that point as well. So there are two devil's advocate points I would make about that, where I feel. We were talking about this during the week when those numbers came out. First of all, I'm not entirely sure how many football fans actually kept their Foxtel boxes over the last four months for a multitude of reasons, lead Mm. of which being obviously a lot of people are now out of work or on reduced hours or pay cuts or anything. So, you know, Foxtel is one of those luxuries that if you've got to make a cut, it's an understandable one to go to. The KO numbers aren't out exactly. Oh, the exact KO numbers aren't out, but there was a story from Vince Regari at the Sydney Morning Herald last night, which suggested that the KO numbers are actually stronger than the TV ratings, at least for the game on Saturday night. And also as well, it is just a case of, with all due respect to the people at Fox that still actually work to put together an A-League
2: broadcast,
0: it kind of seems like they're the high school couple that are just waiting to
2: get through the school formal period and before they break up. Yeah, calling it a skeleton crew at the moment at Fox Sports is being generous. And look, it's not it's nothing about the people they have there. They're all they're all football people. They do a good job. There's just they're just not in the right roles and really when you think about it. I mean, look, Mark Bosnich is good for analysis in a half time show, but I don't know that he's necessarily a a colour commentator. He's not. No he's not. But look that's the sort of thing they're missing at the moment. They've let a couple go for various reasons. I think we know what they are, but it's a skeleton crew at the moment and you're right, it's it's a multitude of things is why the ratings are so low. Yes, the sport's not as popular here as it was a few years ago. There's reasons for that. The broadcaster, I think it's very clear to your point, James, is moving in a different direction. And look, it's what we're going to have to put up with for the next couple of years, unfortunately, until, until a new broadcast deal comes along with either another TV company or FFA TV or whatever they end up doing. But I think this is what we're going to get from Fox from now until their tenure in the A-League is done.
0: Exactly, and that also is the point of why I would say that I don't want to hear the next 12 months of decrying, you know, poor ratings on Fox, which it seems like that's going to be inevitable based on the lack of overall promotion from Fox and the A-League in general. I know the A-League have tried to push some of the, on some of their social channels, you know, football's back, football's this, that, and the other, but I think, inevitably, there's not a lot of reason for people to subscribe to Fox when they think, okay, I've got to lock myself into a... 12 months, twelve month contract or whatever just for the A-League which is only going to be on for half of those 12 months and yeah I, I, I kind of see that this is going to be a fairly common theme going forward
2: it will be it definitely will be
1: yeah look I think look at the end of the day we've um, got to remember that yeah we're, we're still in a pandemic like I said, just because, you know, some parts of the country, like, we, we up here feel a little bit more normal than, say, for example, people in Melbourne at the moment. In fact, it's probably the worst it's ever been. Um, so, so look, I think at the end of the day, I, look, the ratings are there to sort to reference, to lean upon. But I don't think, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think it's the death of the A-League or not because I just don't think people are engaged. I think it, there are a lot of people sort of saying that, you know, well... It, especially with you no know, Sydney chasing what was of four points to to be premiers, you no, know, it was that that basically it was fake completely. These games just need to be played just for the sake of it, and then hopefully there might be a bit of a bump in the ratings come finals time when something means something. So, yeah, look. At the end of the day, it's just a, it's just a weird period of time at the moment. I just think there's no point getting too hung up about um about ratings. In fact, I don't know where they got a nine thousand rating from. I didn't even think they counted that low. So.
0: Yeah, they normally don't release yeah. those numbers, which does, you know, suggest that maybe it might not have been nine thousand on the dot. I wouldn't be surprised if it was something in the teens. I Who
2: knows? Yeah. Who knows? And also look I Bart. would like to know exactly how many people are watching on KO and also the My Football Live app. I do I'm not sure it's gonna be astronomical figures, but I would like to know exactly what those numbers are because that then would at least give you a complete picture of how many people are watching on Fox Sports, how many have got rid of the Foxtel and going to KO Sport? And how many have said we don't want either of them? We'll use the My Football Live app to watch games that way. I think that would at least give you a full picture of how many people are actually watching in the country.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. And that's exactly why I think, I, look, in that Vince story, I think they said the numbers for those broadcast uh, for the uh, KO and the excuse me, the My Football Live app, especially, yeah. have increased significantly compared to even you know this time last year because people are looking for other outlets and look with all due respect to Foxtel like I've had like either you know growing up or on my own or with my wife as well for the last for the bulk of the last 13 14 odd years and even I'm sitting there going I don't necessarily see the value in it anymore for what it like the two main sports that I have it for now are Super Rugby Australia and New Zealand and the A-League and
1: that's it I'm, I'm saying like I said I, I've either through myself living on living with my wife or even you know living with my parents so far we've, we've had a since day one um, and yeah and look I, I absolutely agree at the moment it's just a malaise it's like what is there to watch
2: yeah you know? Not much there is there? yeah
1: exactly so I, I think that might be not just us in the room here I think that might be across the country at the moment if those and like I said I'll say this as well as we said before I, I'm fortunate enough that I, uh, I can afford Foxtel right now. There are others out there that, that would have to sacrifice that because they're either on reduced job or they're out, they're out of a job. So I think to to go and sort of you know try and go you go know, you know, eulogise the, the A League based on the factor of, of low Foxtel ratings. There's so much more going on out there in the world, in in this country at the moment. I think it's just the case of you know what it is the times. We deal with it, you know. As long as there are people watching on other, on other means like KO, like My Football Live, you know, they're the numbers. I think that you know, you want to grab the whole picture, not saying, oh, only nine thousand watched that game on Saturday afternoon.
2: Two things. I think that what we, we we're both talking about in terms of the lack of quality content on Foxtel at the moment, it's probably why people have got rid of it and are going to KO Sports. And the second thing is, I think we all put too much in a TV rating. Oh, yeah, yep. I think we put too much emphasis. I know it's important and it drives TV deals in the future and all the rest of it but I think people get way too worked up over a television number.
0: Yeah, and on that as well, I go back to something I've been saying since season 1 of this podcast, you get you get the in-stadium product sorted first. That makes it an attractive TV uh, proposition as well. So exactly. you've got 12 more months or one more season on FoxTel after this. I th- I feel like the clubs, the FFA, the league as a whole need to basically be saying, "All right, let's get this in stadium products sorted so that when you know they launch you know FFA TV or go to Optus, go to SBS, Channel 10, yeah, whatever, whatever they do, yeah. they've got something that they can say, Look, this is why it becomes a better broadcast proposition than something else.
2: And in the meantime, what you're seeing a lot of clubs are doing is producing their own content. You've seen Sydney FC producing their own pre game show. The Central Coast Mariners actually were doing this before lockdown, they did it a couple right before lockdown started, I think. A couple of other clubs are going down that path as well, and I think that's a really good idea. I mean, if there's if there's no pregame shows on Fox Sports anymore, and there's about a 10-minute postgame show half of the time, so that content is no longer on Fox So I think the clubs are, a few of the really well-run clubs are going down that path, and I wouldn't be surprised if by the time this season finishes or the next one starts, all 11 or 12 clubs, including Macarthur, will go down that path, producing their own pregame shows, and I think there's real value in that. And, Mr. Paré, if you are listening,
0: there are three numbskulls in this room that would be happy to uh, pitch in with that as well, and I know there's a fantastic studio just down the road from where we are now. We'll We'll leave
2: that pitch in your hands, and if you get it wrong, you're out (laughs) of here. All right, find a new place to record (laughs) (laughs) that.
0: But, yeah, on that as well... like. I do I do wanna keep going back to yeah, obviously you've got to get the in stadium product right and there's a whole bunch of other issues going on there as we know when it comes to in stadium yeah. arenas and stuff, but like how many times did we say over the four or so months between matches where Yeah, like we wanted the A League season completed just for the sake of completing it, and I kinda of feel like that's why there's some malaise not only around the A League, but even, you know, the other sports that yeah. I've watched. I've watched NRL, I've watched AFL, I've watched Super Rugby. This isn't a problem that's necessarily unique to the A-League, where it kind of feels like it's just, OK, look, can we get this done, and next season it'll be better? I think I think
1: NRL and AFL are a bit different, I think, because, because I think, well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll separate that again. NRL, like, I, I find it's probably, the product has never been better, but I think it's because the way it's been done, the first back, There's that hype. And it's I because the I,
2: Broncos keep losing, says <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. yeah. where, the non-Broncos.
1: Exactly. But whereas, whereas going? shh,
0: yeah, <laughs> not much better. <laughs> at, anyway, least, at least Broncos have a coach. That's right now. the NRL <laughs> discussion
1: on this show done. Yeah. Whereas AFL, I guess, has been sort of thrown out a little bit because of um, the different hubs and whatnot. Yeah. So each each sport at the moment has a. And even you no know, Super Rugby with You know you've got Super Rugby A A you've got you know Super Rugby Australia. They've all it's all got. All sports get the different problem, and the A League's so no different. It's it's got its own challenges, and I think the challenges is like, well, the, the season was you no, know, you, know, you know, three quarters done with with a with a leader that was out by you know by double digit points. There's always good cases. No of, one
0: would watch a league that has a uh, that resumed with
2: a leader so far in front. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Oh no, I'm not watching that league at the moment.
2: <laughs> Sorry <laughs> but, to interrupt there, right? Adam. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, but, that, but that's the thing is, is that it is. I think each different sport has its different. Um, the different uh, sort of chart. I think at the end of the day, it's a case that these are the times that we are in right now, I think, that tw- 2020 is going to go down. You, when you look back uh, 30, 40 years' time, you're going to say 2020, that year, was just a weird one. And I think that's just in life in general.
0: Exactly. And we also hope that by the time the A-League comes back in December, you know, crowds are a little mm. bit more at a normal level. Yeah. You know, you're know, you able to you know, go to the pub pre-game, you're you can make a bit more in an event the of match day experience to... is back exactly yeah. Yeah, thank you for su- summarising Scott because I was going to go on and, three <laughs> and, and the and match day. day
1: experience as well I think as supposed to tell you doesn't start a kickoff. it starts well beyond yeah. before that and I think with all the restrictions and everything else that's going on um, yeah look I think you know, I think uh, football more than anything I think you know, it relies on that match day experience um, and at the moment as reflected in the numbers of the crowds even though they're heavily capped anyway um yeah it's a case of well it's only the real diehards that really want to go i think yeah. those so so casual supporters, those that want the experience they're saying you know what i can be bothered because i can't do what i normally do therefore i'm gonna start home and i think and i think i'm glad that at least the, the no one's been jumping up and down saying oh the crowd figures are poor because that's
0: even a bigger yeah. can of worms there were a few of those but i think they were more uh. tongue-in-cheek then <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: i know we're gonna move on james one last... know, i'm happy to keep going yeah on, one yeah. last point on this i mean we've we went through a civil war a couple of years ago with the administration of the league, and I don't think... I think people thought that the civil war was over. I don't think it is. I think you've still got a real divide between people who will watch the A-League and there's people who only will support their local grassroots club. I think when we can resolve that issue, the civil war will be over and we'll be able to get some of these issues like TV ratings oh. in the in the right direction. Because at the moment, there's, there's a lot of people out there who just do not watch the A-League for a whole bunch of reasons... Mostly, the team they support for the last 15, 20 years is not in it. And I can completely understand that if they're a fan of a particular team, you're going to want to watch your team play. And if you don't have any affinity with the 11 or 12 A-League teams, I can understand why you wouldn't want to watch it as a football fan. So I think we have to resolve that issue as well. And that's something that's come up here as well, where
0: I feel like the three of us in general, our overall like, A-League consumption has gone down over the past couple of years because there's just something missing for it. Like, it's yeah. not quite... The level of fun that it used to be, you know, even four years ago, when, you know, it, it didn't always coincide with the Raw's glory days. Like I know when they, were, even when they were struggling and made that rally in the 1718 season to just make the finals, that was a fun season. Still going there, still, you know, going to the games, watching every week watching the non-Brisbane games at the moment has been a real struggle.
1: And that's where I think the numbers are dropping off, is that I think the A-League fan at the moment is content with watching their club in that game only, whereas I think back three or four years ago, there were enough quality games on that you'd watch four out of the five. Um, And and the fifth game would only because you had something to do or your missus chases you off the couch. Just go do some housework, or something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: So bit, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, so I think that I think that's that's also of changing I think again that's what reflects on the ratings, is that you know, if it's only people that are invested in two clubs playing at the time are watching and the neutral numbers yeah. are down, then you know, of course it's yeah. gonna be lower. Yep. So I think it's again, that's a case of figuring out what the wider product needs to not only attract this the the two set of fans, but also as well what is going to attract the neutral. And you can't have a derby every week. You can't have a grudge match every week. It's it's got it's got to be something else, and that's I guess the question that the clubs and the FFA and whoever else need to sort of think about you know, going forward. I, I don't think there's any point trying to do it this season. I think obviously because of all the weirdness that's going on in the COVID-19 era, but. That's something certainly for next year, next two years, I need to really focus on. Because I think if anyone needs to complain about ratings, that's probably where the biggest drop off has been.
2: Yeah, I think there's too much emphasis on derbies. At the they're always promoting the Sydney Derby, Relying the Melbourne the Derby, yeah. the, the new Melbourne Derby, the probably the new West Sydney Derby, whatever they're going to call it. There's too much emphasis on, on derbies. And I think people whose clubs are not involved in these derbies are, are sick of it. They're sick of the emphasis being on those games and those games only, essentially, and not everyone else's games. There's one derby that never gets promoted by the way, which is the Newcastle Central Coast Derby, which is the oldest derby in the A-League, and you get hear very little about it. I know it's not the most glamorous of teams, but... but it's had
0: some good games. It has. Yeah.
2: It's a derby you don't hear much about. I think people who aren't involved in senior, don't support senior Melbourne teams, have just about had enough of these derbies.
0: I know I have. Yeah. And that, actually, I think is probably going to be seen as, unfortunately for Fox, one of their lasting legacies on the game, where that last round of expansion... How many good bids were there, or yeah. at least, on on the surface, decent-looking bids? You know, just in South East Queensland alone, you obviously had the Brisbane City bid, you had the Ipswich Western Pride bid. There probably was one on the Gold Coast as well, I'm going to guess. Yeah. There were, you know, then, you know, you look at Hobart, you look at Canberra. It's
2: what happens when you let TV companies dictate the direction of your league.
0: Exactly, and yeah. they became a little bit too reliant on the sugar hit of, you know, getting those derbies and the big feature matches. And he kind of forgot that to be honest, like, Brisbane and Adelaide have a pretty good rivalry that's built up over the last few years, thanks in large part to the Aloisi brothers speaking Spanish in one <laughs> uh, one evening down at Cooper Stadium.
2: Si, sí, senor. Yeah.
0: But like even then you go back to round I wanna say twenty seven in two thousand in January two thousand and eight, you know, where Danny Teatro punched one of the Adelaide players <laughs> in the face and got sent off, costing the Raw their first premiers plate that year. But there was like you know, you look at those rivalries that have just built up, you know, the Knicks and Glory, they've got their own little distance derby rivalry, which, you know... I think I saw they've got a cup. Yeah, exactly. They actually have a cup. <laughs> like, obviously, it's, it's, not the, it's not the, you know, burn down the house on the other side of the street that's in the wrong colours, but that's like that's a fun rivalry. Yeah. And, yeah, OK, you can build the A-League on rivalries, but it doesn't just have to be the local derbies. No. If they wanted to give us an M1 derby back, though, no complaints.
2: Absolutely. You're right. Look, it's 15 years in now these original A-League teams that were in back then they've all got unique histories against playing so you think about Brisbane and Central Coast for example there's yeah. a whole bunch of great games in that in that rivalry not just the grand final which we all celebrate there's plenty of great no, games in that rivalry the semi-final
0: a week, yeah. or week or two weeks before that was phenomenal but
2: that's the same for basically every set of clubs around the country like Brisbane-Perth have got good rivalry Brisbane-Adelaide you mentioned Look, every look, Sydney, Sydney-Perth has got good rivalry I think they've focused too much on the sugar hit of Sydney vs Sydney, Melbourne vs. M- Melbourne, even Melbourne vs. Sydney, I think they focus too much on on that little subset of matches and not the rest of them. I think that's a that's something they've got to really work on and promoting the other games like they do those games, because they do that, you might start to get a bit of an increase. Definitely. Okay.
0: One final point back to the T V ratings, which kinda of kicked all this off. I feel like unless you're, you know, the NRL or the AFL or Cricket Australia who are basically who we all accept are the major um, major sports uh, in terms of Fox, Fox's eyes and they're going to be, you know, propped up no matter what. Every other competition right now should be looking at, the, looking at you know, the current season they're in is just, let's just get this done and survive for uh, the following seasons and then trying to make the best possible plans going forward for 2021 and beyond to try and service their competition for the next 20, 30, 40 years. We're seeing that like or oh, I am at least, with you know, the discussions over the format of super rugby in the future. And at the end of the day, like you've just gotta accept that this season isn't going to be one for the highlight reel. I think we can all accept that. Yep. It's going to be one that you look back and go, What the hell, you know, happened mm. there? And it's gonna yeah, be its own little
2: unique thing that it's looked at on its own. Exactly. In every
0: sport. Yep. At best, it's gonna be looked at as a turning point where things started to correct. Yep. At worst, you're going to look at it and go, well, that kind of you know, brought forward a lot of the issues that were bubbling under the surface. I hope it's for the best because I like doing this podcast and with no A-League, we kind of lose most of our uh, draw card. But anyway, and then of course, uh, anyway, let's move on to the other big news story that came out this week, and that is Ante Milicic finally resolved his future uh, as Matilda's head coach, and that is he's leaving to go honour his contract with MacArthur
2: FC. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you look at it, this... Ante Milic has been offered two dream jobs at once here. He's got, on one hand, he's got the job he currently had, which was the Matilda's job, the opportunity to coach the national team in a home World Cup where there's expectations of a of a r- remarkable result. That's that's on one hand. The other hand, he's got a chance to start up a football club and build it in his image, not not take over from what someone else has done. He can build it from day one in his image. And to do that, with probably with people that, from the western part of Sydney he grew up with, so that's two remarkable jobs. And to your point, James, he's just honoured his contract. Yep. He said he was going to coach through June, July, two thousand and twenty, with the Matildas, and then he's going to go take over Macarthur. Although, it's a. It's a, It must have been a really tough decision for him to make because both of those things would be amazing to do. And he has coached at a World Cup, so he has ticked that box, so to speak. But to do that at home would have been remarkable. So I can see why it took him so long to decide. Remember when we were worried about him possibly missing the first pre-season
0: with MacArthur <laughs> and the MFA Cup because he was going to be in the Olympics?
1: Well, it's, uh, I was actually about to say, make that point. Okay, that, one back
0: for me. Yeah,
1: that's um, about, that. you know, not only that, just in the immediate uh, future, he, he's given up, you know, a chance to, to coach at, Olympics, yeah. at the Olympics where this side can very conceivably yeah. win an Olympic medal. Uh, if, if not if not with a bit of luck, you know, a bit of luck in sort of the competition, a gold medal perhaps even. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Look, but again, I, I agree. Look, at the end of the day, he he's honouring his contract. Um, yeah, and that, that's that's all. I, I guess that's the honourable thing to do. I think. Yeah, but I think either way, I don't think people were in too other than if you're yeah. um I don't think you, people would have you know begrudged him if you said, you know what, I wanted, I want to, to leave my
0: national team. And let's not forget as well. He basically he he came into a pretty unenviable position with the Matildas. It was February, wasn't it, where he came in. Uh, after the uh stacking of Alan Stadic and
2: Yeah, it was January, February time when he got given that opportunity, just before the Cup of Nations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
0: he yeah, that's right, it was right before I moved into here. Anyway, yeah, he was um obviously in that position trying to basically just make like or get the team back on course for a World Cup.
2: The other thing as a coach, the national team coach would be really tough because you on a day to day basis not a lot you can do to work with the players unless they're in camp whereas if you're coaching a club side at any level on a day-to-day basis you can work with players improve players and do the actual role of coaching on a more regular basis so I can see why. Also, you would prefer a club job over a national team job, and
1: to, and top level coaches, you know, like I said, that they, they they're only one of two things. Right? They're either a club coach or they're a national team yeah. coach. Um, look, yeah, and that's the thing is, and very very rarely can um, coaches do both. We yeah. we think of um, Ange Postecoglou.
2: Well, Sitting did
0: it, but that was a very short period of time. Yeah, that's true. And he might have irritated a, f- a few players in the soccer
2: squad yeah. as well. He might have done. Yeah.
1: I like to but then you had like the likes of good hitting but uh but yeah look at that thing is and obviously I think when he looked looked down he, he sort done he's done his, um done all he could for the materials but maybe he prefers himself as a club coach. So his his style of coaching does rely on the day to day contact to be able to sort of build a philosophy slowly rather than sort of you know, trying to get the best out of players in a very very short window. Like I said, there are coaches that are you know, experts that, others, you know, they, they, they prefer that club coaching sort of environment. So now look, we wish him all the best, you know. No matter we we chose, he's chosen MacArthur.
0: Well, actually, if he now that he's with MacArthur, we don't wish him all the best. If it comes to the <laughs> expense of the Raw. Well, we wait
1: until the Raw play them, then that's when all bets are off. So
2: there we go. Another former Raw player getting an A-League coaching job, though. Uh, yeah, I guess that's yeah. exactly right. He is a former Raw player. Yeah. What's it, what are his stats, Scott? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Not great. <laughs> like I said, he's a
0: much, he's a much better he was a much better player than what his Raw stats would suggest. Actually, well, just on that quickly before we go on to uh, contenders for the replacement, I remember first Football Manager I bought. I think it would have been 08, 07 or 08, where Milicic was uh, in the raw uh, team then, and he was one of the players that I kept trying to cut to free up space. <laughs> but, but but in my you know naivety about how Football Manager worked, I couldn't quite work out why I couldn't cut them the same way you can players in the NFL. Yeah. Costs a bit more, doesn't it? to avoid your
2: salary gap. I actually depends did, which play. You I actually yeah. did
1: have Ante Milch, is, uh, Brisbane Raw stats. <laughs> uh 20, oh. Here we go. 24 appearances for four goals. Quite frankly, I can't remember those four goals.
2: Uh, they're on YouTube, I imagine. I would hope I'm so. Sure, I'm sure they're in the highlights there somewhere.
0: And if anyone's listening to us down at the uh, Raw training facility at Logan, we'd love to see those videos. Because yeah. as we found out, they've pulled out some um, pretty old records from the archives during the lockdown
2: mm. as well. well. They should have them. Yeah. we hope so. There was one for,
0: they pulled out from Season 2 of like a Matt McKay volley from range or something. So,
2: If that's the goal I'm thinking of, it's the last home game I've missed for about 10 years.
0: Sounds about so. right. Anyway, um, contenders for the job. Uh, the four names that have popped up above all else mm. so far, Joe Montemurro, Mel Andretta, Ante Juric, and Jill Ellis. My tip is Mel Andretta. I think she was brought in to be the assistant for a reason, with you know, a possible succession plan in place. So, although that being said, you know Montemuro's has done a pretty damn good job at Arsenal as well.
1: Look, you know, I think, and I did see even a uh, sort of a report in the uh, women's game, FTBL, about oh that uh, Mel Barbieri saying that um, that you know that Joe Montemuro would be a perfect choice for the Matildas. And look, I agree, he probably he probably would be. Mm. The problem is, is that are the Matildas perfect for Joe Montemuro. Exactly. And and the, and it comes down to that you know club versus country look i got a feeling that he is that he's got unfinished business at arsenal i think i think as well that you now again he may be another one that that, that would prefer the the club yeah. environment rather than the national team environment so look just because he, he's probably look clearly he's probably the far and away well if, when you start bringing him joe jill Ellis's name yeah. that does sort of change but he he would be of the australian um contingent he'd be far and away the best um the best candidate I think the problem is, and I think a lot of people need to sort of realise, is that, you know what, it may not be right for him.
2: Yeah, Joe Montemoreau, I think, would do the, Would take the job on his terms. I think those terms would be what we're talking about, coaching club and country. I don't think that's going to work for the for the Matildas in the role, where the place that that team is in at the moment, they want to be minimum semi-finals in a home World Cup, and ideally they want to win the thing at home. So I don't think he can have a club coach doing the national team job on a half-time basis, so I think he would have to choose one or the other. I think Ante Juric is going to be the local candidate if they do go local because he's done really well with Sydney FC. I'm not. I know Mel's done really well as well, but I don't know if she's got the badges. But if they really want to make the semi-finals of a World Cup, Jill Ellis is the coach. That's who you want to make a statement. We we're talking about this in the media box on Sunday, Sunday night. If you want to make a statement, that's who you go and get. It'll it'll cost a lot. I was going to say it'll where, cost a lot he... And can you actually get to convince her that it's an opportunity that a Jill Ellis wants to take? The England yeah, gig as if, well. it, if you can convince her it's a job that you want to take, that's who you go for. I'd like to know where the FFA money tree is. Because well, that's that's, what a, that's another be, point. That's
1: where it, why it's going to take. And you're right. Yeah. It's also convincing her that you know after retiring mm. from the top team in the world, yeah. the, the benchmark in women's football at, at international level, yeah. to come and you know do a I guess a rising power. Mm. And yeah, you know, and look, maybe the challenge is something they can sort of throw up. But yeah, look. I think, I think, honestly, I think there's more chance of Joe Montemuro coaching yeah. the Matildas and Jill Ellis. So I think that's something that you throw out there and hope it sticks. And look, if it happens, it would be the, a great day. But look, I just don't think it will happen. No.
0: All right. We've got to take a break and then we'll come back and talk about the Royals' next match against Melbourne Victory right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll
2: be back after this.
0: Okay, third and final segment of this Brisbane Football Review Podcast. It's James, Scott, Adam, and maybe Trixie, if she decides to be cooperative or not. Uh, here for, well, it's going to be a pretty short segment because we've kind of gone longer than expected already. And also what we're going to be talking about is still seven days away, so who knows how much was going to change between now and then. That's a good point. It's
2: a It's a, it's a long way away, isn't it? I mean, by this point, the A-League might be in Queensland, James.
0: You never know. I, th- I think we're pretty well stuck with the league in Sydney for the time being, in part because it sounds like the players are just going to be bunkered down and not allowed to leave.
2: Well, if people haven't heard, the Roar are in the hub. They left on Monday afternoon to get down to Sydney, so all 11 A-League teams are now in the New South Wales hub. Yes.
0: Okay, so the Roar's next match, Wednesday, July 27th, against uh, Melbourne Victory at Bankwest Stadium. Uh, 15 wins, 22 losses, 9 draws in their history against Melbourne Victory with 65 goals scored and 67 conceded. Only one win in the last nine against Melbourne Victory. So it's not a great record for the Raw, but I feel like if they're going to turn it around,
2: now's the time to. Yeah, this is the chance to do it. They've obviously got interim coach Melbourne Victory with Grant Brebner, who's already stated quite publicly that he's going to blood some younger players from there. You set up, to see what they've got ahead of the next A-League season. It sounds like they've conceded that even though mathematically they might have a chance that they are not going to make the finals. Robbie Cruz is out for them, so I think this is going to be a quite young Melbourne victory side and a really good chance for Warren Moon and the Brisbane Roar to pick up three points. If the if it goes anything like the uh, Roar
0: victory games in the Y League, then we could be in for a very long <laughs> night.
1: Well, it depends which one, because uh, I think they, they split the, uh, the can, but the one I'm thinking of... Is, this is a uh, home game against the Roar. The home, ga- yeah. the home game at um, Eric Evans Oval. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and that, look, and when you All the you, one at when, Lions here before, yeah, oh, exactly. And if you're looking at you know basically bloody young players, and um, look, there is a potential that could happen, um, as as it does. But uh, look, I think uh, again, it's, it's still uh, we don't know what out the effect that, you know, of you know Melbourne Victory coming out of the, their quarantine and uh, like how that's going to affect them. It, it's going to be one of these games where. Look, you just got to, you just go take it as it's You would hope that the Raw will be better off having that one, you know, ninety-minute game under their belt and and a look, I guess, an average performance. I wouldn't call it great, I wouldn't call it bad, um, but yeah, you, we just we just do not know what our uh, Melbourne victory will bring in, in any such. So uh, it could be, it could go anywhere.
2: And unlike Sydney FC, who played two games in four days and probably were feeling the fatigue from that, Brisbane are going to have a week and a half in between games, so they'll be well rested and well prepared for this. And I think this is actually a really good opportunity. If, they're going to, if Warren's going to start Danny Kim in any game between now and the end of the season, it has to be this one to see what he can do because if victory are going to field a young side, it's a great opportunity to throw someone in there and see what they've got.
0: And boost his confidence yeah. as well. this and is the
2: game... You don't want to try it against Wellington or Sydney after that who are teams who are competing at the top end of the A-League and will be there or thereabouts at the business end of the season. If you're going to start Danny Kim in those games, you've got to start him now to see if he's got it in his locker to do it. because we you know Matt Ridenson can do a job as we talked about in segment one. We know... From the start of the game, he can do a job. Can Danny Kim's do that job? I think we have to find out, and I have a feeling we actually might get the chance to find out in this game. I would even
1: go as one fire saying is that you know give maybe Scott McDonald a rest and, and go with um you know go with um you know. I, I, <laughs> yeah often yeah it was 50, Mer, Merza, Merza Muradovich <laughs> and uh, Dylan Winslow Hall it was
2: a 50-50 shot it was either him or Holloway it could have been Jai Ingme was thinking of. He yeah. was on the bench too. No, no,
1: yeah, no, Merza and, um, and Dylan. I think, you know, if you want to you know, see what they can do together, you know, two contrasting styles, two young players, you know, like I said, again, a case, it's a case of, you know, for the Raw, they, they really, they really sort of, you know, while well, mathematically they're in trouble, I think they're, they're going to probably finish anywhere between, you know, third and sixth. So, you know, you, you never know what diamonds and rough you can find in these last couple of weeks where there's not much on the line. So, you know, why not?
2: The other thing is you don't want to take them too lightly and then not get the three points mm-hmm. because if they need, they have to get the three points here because that pretty much guarantees finals football for the raw 100%. If, if they don't, if they don't drop points in this game, it might become a little bit more dicey. But I think they're going to win this game quite comfortably because I think they're in better. They've been a better team than Melbourne Victory all season long, and they've got something to play for. I don't think Melbourne Victory have too much to play for under their interim coach.
0: On that as well, I would also say that um, the main thing I would be looking for as well. Remember that Wanderers game that I think was their third last before the season went on pause? Yep. yep. I want a similar start to that. Just, I'll say
2: yes. Just
0: come out, blast them off the pitch. Victory are probably going to be a little bit sluggish in their first game back as pretty much every team has been all around the world. And I th- if they can get out there, blow them off uh, blow them off the pitch early, get a couple of goals in the first you 15-20 know, minutes and make the victory have to chase, I still trust that the Raw are defensively solid enough to try and shut things down and come away with a win from there
2: absolutely look you know Victory have got some good players but they, the Raw should be able to contain them I think this is going to be a three points it has to be three points it's actually quite a good game for the Raw to have first game in the hub a highly manageable game one where they might be able to get the job done early fingers crossed early and then bring some players in after that to get them a bit more match up so I think that's that's the ideal plan. Hopefully, it goes that way, but we'll have to wait and see.
1: I think I said the one takeaway that they need to avoid from the from the Adelaide game is they need to start better. Yeah. They start better, yeah. You know, they they get on the front foot early, yeah. You know, and I like, and look, if they can put away one two goals, I think that might be the game right there,
0: and then just manage the situation. Yeah. Even if they have to, uh, well, at least according to Instagram, uh, take what looks to be a pretty fancy coffee machine from the hotel that they're staying at. Make sure you take it to the dressing room. Load everyone up with about three or four espressos before kickoff, and just come out buzzing. That's a
2: that's a that's a good tactic. I like that tactic. Oh, just,
1: just, is does okay with the soda?
0: I don't know how much caffeine are you allowed. I know
2: caffeine's legal, isn't it? You're like caffeine? What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. Anyway, so every park footballer would be would be wouldn't be able to play if you couldn't have caffeine be before to do the my game. Running that's yeah. for sure. Caffeine's an essential essential product. Yeah, you're talking about. I couldn't do my job without (laughs) that that caffeine. I I think about 95% of people are
0: in that same boat there, Adam. Okay, so, Adam, when we're doing our next regular podcast, what are we going to be talking about?
1: Uh, Raw safely into the finals after a solid win over Melbourne Victory.
2: Warren Moon's first win in charge of the Brisbane Raw. Comfortable win. I'm going to go Danny Kim's first
0: goal seals Raw victory because I, I I just remember him taking plenty of pot shots at lines from range and the victory gonna yeah. sit deep don't give him space that's all I'm gonna say
2: don't tell him don't give him advice like that you're yeah. just giving him tactical advice that's it now you're banned from the Raw <laughs> <laughs> no. when the Raw listen to this you're gonna be out
0: it's okay it's been four years of victory <laughs> haven't tried to poach just like everything else from Brisbane anyway so I think we're fine they clearly don't listen to us. Anyway. Thank
1: you, border closure.
0: Yes. That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Adam. Thank Thanks, you, Scott. James. Good to see you again. Yes. And uh, next week, our show's going to be a little bit different uh, for us. We're going to be recording it all over Skype in the immediate aftermath of the Raw's hopeful victory against Melbourne victory. And uh, so it'll be out a little bit later than usual on Wednesday night, but... Hopefully we'll have quite a bit to talk about. Until then, enjoy the football and uh, make sure you get out to an NPL ground this weekend if you're able to because football's back there as well. This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll talk to you later.